And welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We're here today to bring the Lordship of Jesus Christ to life. And I love that phrase because Jesus is Lord. Uh, but what's so important is that we make the connection between who he is to how we live and how we uh, express our existence here on planet Earth, that he is Lord over everything. And, and that really is the game changer. I mean, we, we love to talk about the Lordship of Jesus yeah. in the marketplace, uh, in the church, in our families, our marriages. You know, but but also just in, in our outlook on life, and we're going to really get in into that today. But what a great season! You know, we've been talking about counterfeit redemption and leading up to uh, Christmas, which is only a matter of days away. Uh, I think it's very fitting uh, that we kind of end you know our series uh, on counterfeit redemption with a strong uh, message of Jesus Christ as the Redeemer. Yeah. And really, I think the, the fact that we've been talking about this in our podcast, for me anyway, it helps drive home uh, just how significant Christ is, his yeah. birth, the, the incarnation, the season that we're living in, that he is our Redeemer. And the alternatives come up woefully short. Yeah, I think you and I were just talking about it. You know, there's a craving in every single one of us. When If you are a human being, that means you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a natural craving for redemption. Yeah. You know, um, there's a natural eye to see that there's evil, there's wrong in this world. Yeah. And there's wrong inside of us. Yeah. You know, you might try to hide it. You might pretend that's not there. You might try to educate yourself out of it. But you it's, it's, you can't deny those 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 desire and those passions and and we're looking for an answer yeah. and if you don't have the right answer you're gonna look you're gonna try to find the answer anywhere else yeah and that's what we've been discussing yeah and that I, you bring up a great point every, every one of us realizes uh when we're by ourselves we're alone with ourselves yeah uh that we uh, personally need help and that we're there's brokenness inside of all of us and i'm just grateful for this season it gives us a chance to Maybe slow down a little bit and to think about things that really matter. Yeah. We'll slow down maybe. Yeah, we need to slow <laughs> Yeah, we need to practice that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of slowing down, yeah. we have uh, we have a, a, something we want to invite you to, and that is our Christmas Eve uh, service. Uh, we're going to have two of those services, one at 3 o'clock, one at 5 o'clock. Uh, and uh, and those are those are great times. You know, you were talking about a few weeks ago in the podcast. You were talking about tradition and Power how traditions, yeah, yeah, and how it shapes it shapes us and why they're so valuable. And and for me, I love Christmas Eve because one of our traditions uh, is the candle lighting. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, and to me, there's just something really powerful about being in a darkened, a beautiful sanctuary with all the Christmas lights on the stage and the trees and. And then, you know, our, even our, our theme this year is focusing on Jesus being the light of the world. Yeah. And it's just something powerful about watching that the whole sanctuary gradually, you know, uh, be filled with light as everybody passes passes the, the light from one person to the next in, in the form of lighting candles. So uh, I, I always look forward to that. I, I love the little kids holding that candle and their eyes all aglow. And there's just something awesome and uh, majestic about that night yeah i mean i i think we, we communicate to ourselves when we honor traditions we communicate yeah. to our kids that legacy matters yeah that doing some things matters it's not always about changing it's not always about eliminating the past right history does matter C connecting us to the past connecting us to um you know generationally does matter yeah. and that what that does is reinforces our identity yeah. um that's good so and these are, like you say these are things that keep the generations together yeah. and uh it's like we're passing uh, the baton and we're saying hey this matters the season matters jesus yeah. matters yeah. especially when we talk about redemption there's no greater 
uh, no greater time just to pause and, and celebrate as a family who Jesus and is. Remember. Amen. Again, remember. Christmas, again, is so full of so many merchandise and things yeah. and all these, you know, all noise. The, all the materialistic noise. stuff, yeah. which is probably a good lead-in because, you know, as we've been talking about uh, counterfeit forms of redemption, we've, you know, basically the, the idea is, as Pastor Andrew mentioned, we know things aren't right. We know the world is broken. The world is broken because we're broken. Yeah. And and so we're going to be trying to find answers. That's just how we are by nature. We, 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 we crave meaning because God made us meaningful. The world is meaningful when God created it. We crave meaning. And so we're looking for answers. Uh, we're, we're trying to solve the deepest, you know, answers in life. And of course, one of them is how do we fix what's broken? And talk a little bit about bringing us up to speed. Some of the ground that we've covered. There's, but there's lots of counterfeits out there. Oh, absolutely. Our the human imagination for counterfeits or demonic imaginations yeah. are limitless. We talked about uh, products, materialism, how we try to fill that void. Um, we try to um, answer that question through materialism, through uh, through progress, through through uh, power, ambition, you know, pleasure, pleasure, cars, houses, money, what yeah. whatnot, uh, the state, um, science, yeah. science, or the state as our savior. We talk about salvation through the sexual revolution, fulfilling our desires. Yeah. Every every woman desires as a source of salvation, you know. And um, last week, you know, we talked about the pendulum swing from. The Western secularism, which mm -hmm. is materialistic and godless and, and lacks anything transcendent. Yep. And then we swing over into Eastern, you know, pantheistic religions where everything is God yeah. and where all, all of life is spiritual. Yeah. Uh, but it's an, it's a, another counterfeit that, right. that ends up losing yourself in the process. In fact, that's the goal, lose yourself. Yeah. Uh, so what good is a worldview when you're seeking redemption? What good is a worldview that says the way to redemption is obliteration? <laughs> you know, right. basically... Get rid of of your awareness of you, and get lost in the uh, the global right. oneness or consciousness. And your way to redemption is is uh, enlightenment. So the enemy is basically ignorance. So you recognizing that you're a god, that you're truly deep, who you truly are is you're a god, and you're good, and that's what will lead you to you know utopia, lead you to heaven or right. nirvana or whatever. The problem is we wake up in the morning after a rough night's sleep and we get our toothbrush out and we're staring at ourselves in like, the mirror and we realize <laughs> if this is God, it doesn't look like a God. the world's in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Yeah. This is the best I no, got. Or after, you know, you lose your temper, your kids, yeah. you know, you've yeah. done something, you just compromise in your heart, just like, yeah, I'm not a God. No, I'm a no, broken No matter how much I tell being, myself that, you know, you just, know like, no, I I need, I need forgiveness. I need to go repent yeah. to my kids. No, yeah. 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 So so on one hand, you have get rid of God. There is no God. And on the other hand, you're God. Yeah. And and yet the beauty of Christianity is the truth that's really found uh, in the middle. And we're going to talk about that today because, you know, here's, here's the truth. If you embrace a false ideology, a false worldview, a counterfeit redemption, then in real life, uh, it proves that, that that it's not true. It doesn't work. And and then when you realize that what you've kind, kind of what you put all your eggs in that basket of counterfeit redemption, and then it proves to be a lie. And then what happens is your your worldview just implodes, and you know you everything comes crashing down, and the result is despair. And that's what we really want to talk about today is the inevitable result of living a false worldview is that you end up in a really deep, dark, desperate, hopeless place. 
And um, and that's where many, many people find themselves today. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of these, um, you know, uh, uh, fake replacement for the gospel counterfeit uh least it talks about the escalator myth right at least to utopia at least to this place there's nirvana right but after a couple tries uh not just a couple several tries of reaching that utopia and, re- and realizing that that utopia is really the mean its own meaning which means it's nowhere yeah yeah uh you start to you know the, the a, elevator to nowhere yeah the elevator to nowhere um after a while you get disillusioned you're like maybe this is all not happening you right. know so you instead of coming to finding hey you know what there's a solution through revelation through scripture you fall into despair saying there's no hope yeah and that's what we're talking about today and, and right. so you know we yeah we've talked about how you know we start with it with a religious belief a presuppositional belief that mm-hmm. there is no god that's where western secularism starts yep. and even the we talked about the modern uh, eastern hybrid tries to to take evolution which is godless and then turn it into something spiritual um, and it's impossible to get something spiritual out of something that's just all you have is material and so there's all kinds of logical contradictions in a worldview like that but let's go back to the secularized western worldview godless worldview that's rooted in naturalism that all that exists is matter and i want to read for you a quote from uh, a book called the first three minutes which addresses uh, Steven Weinberg's view of how the world began. Weinberg is a Nobel Prize winning physicist. And, uh, and this is what Weinberg writes in this book, First Three Minutes. It says, science reveals that we live in an, quote, overwhelmingly hostile universe. It existed long before human beings appeared, and it is not going to remain inhabitable forever. According to current predictions, the universe is headed for a fiery death and it will take us with it. Nothing we do will outlast our temporary span on this globe. And he comes up with this conclusion. Life is meaningless, purposeless, and pointless. Life is meaningless, purposeless, and pointless. I don't know about you, but what a what a depressing worldview. Yeah, I'm getting depressed this reading. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I, again, we were chatting. I, I, I'm always amazed that... Um, you know, people build their theories, you know, like, for instance, this would all be called scientific, but this this view is is full of religious beliefs, not scientific Philosophical beliefs. ideologies and world Absolutely. presuppositions, yeah. An overwhelmingly hostile universe. It sounds as, you know, if you and I could be hostile towards each other because we have personalities and we have wills and we make choices and we have emotions, but... The universe is not full of choices and emotions and wills. The universe is just matter. So to call the universe hostile, uh, suggesting that it has a, you know evil intentions or whatever is kind of interesting to me. But this is interesting. So, so nobody, of course, who was here at the beginning of the world? Um, no human being was, including Mr. Weinberg. So I find it interesting that he has this very depressing and yet in his mind very clear, inevitable uh, understanding about how everything unfolded and where everything's going. But you can see without God, uh, he says the universe is not going to be inhabitable forever. We're headed towards a fiery death. You can understand why there is this global hysteria from godless people regarding the world and regarding global warming. I mean, every kind of uh, disaster, a natural disaster in the world today is attributed to global warming. And then everybody freaks out about it, and we got people saying we got to spend more money. It's got to be a bigger priority. 
uh, you know, the ice caps, the polar caps are it's going to melt. It's called climate change now. Oh, so yeah, just, climate change. Yeah, because yeah, right yeah. <laughs> we're not really warming fast enough, and it's actually sometimes yeah, we're cooling. I can't keep up with all that. Yeah, yeah, but climate change. It, but, but, it, but it's really under this false form of redemption that somehow the planet is inevitably going to die and that we have to save ourselves and save Mother Earth. Or, this is another thing, all this... Uh, space exploration has become almost idolatrous. Mm -hmm. We have to find a way to support human life on another planet because this planet's going to be destroyed. Mm -hmm. And a, a lot of it, uh, understand, that comes from this naturalistic, atheistic, pseudo-scientific worldview um, that posits this kind of a, a hopeless future. I will give them credit for this. When you throw God out, Ideas have consequences. We say this a lot. When, when there is no God, then his conclusions are accurate. If there is no God, then this universe is meaningless because meaning is infused by somebody who's meaningful, and that's God Almighty. He's the one that infuses meaning into this world. But if all we have is matter. Right. There's nothing meaningful necessarily about matter in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, purposeless simply means there's no larger narrative. Nobody's telling a story. We're not... There's no point to life. Right. And he comes up with, with some good conclusions here. And so I guess the question becomes, if this is your reality, what are our options? It's interesting because your worldview absolutely dictates how you interpret things. Okay, So let's just agree with, the, with his assumption, his, his, his perspective that the, the universe is overwhelmingly hostile. It doesn't do well to support life. If, you know, I can see that. You go on the moon. There's no life there. You know, you go out playing the vacuum of space. It doesn't support life. Right, in fact, there, right? planet Earth is the only planet we know in this massive cosmos that where we know yeah. life. So, but from my perspective, from a Christian worldview, it's like, wow, life is so precious. Right. Because the hostile environment simply is a contrast to God's love and his tender care and his, and his intentional design to, to put humans on earth and to groom earth in this Goldilocks zone, which is able to sustain life. Right. So when I see that the, the universe is so hostile, according to him, yeah. what I see is meaning and purpose. What yeah. I see is design. What I see is, is God's hand upon life. He sees it as meaningless, purposeless, based on his worldview. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. How two completely different worldviews could look at the same data and have completely different interpretation. Good point. That's, That's what we're saying. There, there is no such thing as, as uh, neutrality. Right. Science is not neutral because there's always people looking at the data and interpreting the data. It's, as just, you point it's out. so interesting that you know we come to completely different. We look at the same thing and we completely completely different conclusions. conclusions. Yeah. So for instance, here, here's something else that we need just to pause. You know, why would a, an atheistic, secular, naturalistic science, science, uh, scientist be lamenting the fact that the universe is purposeless and meaningless if purpose and meaning were not real in and of themselves? In yeah. other words, if, if, if that's true, then why would there be a creature in a meaningless universe asking questions about meaning. Yes, In other words, why would we even ask the question if it were not true that meaning and purpose does exist? Yeah. And, and that, it exists in us. And this is a deeper question, a deeper philosophical question. In other words, if we are just materialistic, we're nothing but neural firings in our head, and we're, we're essentially like meat robots, mm -hmm. okay? Instead of metal, we're made of meat. <laughs> okay. Well, robots don't cr crave meaning. 
Right. They don't ask the inner question of who am I? Right. You know, you can design them to say who am I, but that doesn't mean internally you have an internal voice that says who am I? The idea of what consciousness is itself is a deeper philosophical question. But he's asking these questions that, that tells us that we're not meat robots. There right. is something deeper there. Right. Because like you said, robots don't ask the, the deeper questions. They just function according to how they're programmed. Right. Uh, and obviously every, every human being, and we're having a discussion right now, I know I'm not talking to a meat robot. <laughs> I, I believe better a def- about it's you. It's a different interesting way I, to look I, at people. I, I hope you believe better about me. Well, more than, you're more than a meat robot. You are more than a meat robot, <laughs> which is good news. But, so, so here's the deal. But if, if the world is meaningless, then there's almost this, this view today where the heroic response is to just deal with it. Yeah. Like quit yeah. whining, quit looking for crutches called religion. Um, this is the facts. This is what's going to happen. Everything is going to burn up. Life is meaningless. So just basically embrace it. Like don't run from it. It's almost a courageous thing to stare, you know, ultimate death and annihilation and meaningless and purposelessness and despair. Stare it all in its ugly face and say, but I'm choosing to live a meaningful life, which... Cool. Which in and of itself is is nonsensical, but but that's the approach that many secular people have taken today. Yeah, and um, so it's it's actually anti faith, faith faith in nothing becomes their faith, which is ironic. Right, right. It, it it really is faith in something. Exactly, it's just not faith in what we have faith. It's still faith to fa- to, to have faith in despair. To faith in nothing is still faith. Right. And the question, again, that begs for an answer is, well, why have faith in anything? Like, we'll just, like, stay in bed or, or, why or end your life. Why even ask these I deeper mean, questions? Yeah, why even ask there? Why care? Yeah, yeah. But nevertheless, it, they're giving away the fact that they're created in the image and likeness of God, and they really do want meaning and purpose, even if there's none of it existing in the universe. Right. But here's the challenge, you know. When you go through two world views, this whole ut- or two world wars rather, mm-hmm. uh, this whole utopian uh, euphoria that many people embrace, yeah. you know, we're going to climb hope, we're going to yeah, the hope, we're going to solve all of man's problems, unity and utopia, yeah, yeah, all this stuff. It, it, it all goes up in flames when you've been through two world wars and you've talked about hundreds of millions of of death, and really when you stare evil in the face, you look at the Nazi atrocities during World War II, yeah. uh, and some of just the unbelievably unspeakable, uh, wicked, evil uh, things that humans do yeah. to each other. And and all of a sudden, your elevator comes to a screeching <laughs> halt, you know. You're walking up the, the fire well at that point yeah. because uh, there is no uh, uh, escalator, uh, you know, going to, taking you to Utopia. Yeah, it's because, going in circles. Yeah. Spiraling downward. Spiraling downward. <laughs> Gradually, um, they can't even tell. So actually, it was in Europe after two devastating world wars where this philosophy of despair began to take root. And some of these names you will be familiar with, but it was the atheistic French philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre who said this, the world is all that there is. Our existence is all that we have. And of course, that is the worldview or the philosophical understanding called existentialism, which the key word there is exist, uh, the prefix, you know, the, the root word. It basically means all we have and all that we know is the fact that we're here now. And it's, it's very much a uh, a momentary, uh, this is all you have. It's kind of, you know, eat, drink, and be merry, you know, yeah. for tomorrow you die. 
um, a very depressing worldview. We live in a meaningless universe. The yeah. only meaning that you can find is meaning that you create by right. your own existence. Well, what's that saying? Like, uh, you got to live for the, uh, that, well, I forgot the tagline. It's like, uh, do it today or. Yeah, live, uh, live for all the gusto because you only go around once in life. Yeah, you only go around once, so you just got to do it right now. It's kind of like that. All you have is your temporary existence. Sure. And that's that's God. Your existence is basically the only a transcendent thing you have. So, so again, here's another fork in the road, historically. Yeah. And by the way, this is not, there's no nothing new under the sun, Solomon wrote. Uh, but this takes us all the way back to Greek philosophers who already have already been here and got the t-shirt. <laughs> the fork in the road is, if 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 you exist, here's another quote by, by Sartre, uh, you, you are your life, and that's all you are. So here I am, this is my life, in this moment, now I have a fork. I either choose to maximize my pleasure, which is hedonism, which is where many people are today, just just party because tomorrow you're going to die or you're getting older. And so live life to the max, which basically is interpreted as uh, money, sex, power, whatever it is, yeah. you're going to go no after. No consequences. Yeah, no consequences. Man, live life with your pedal, pedal to the metal. Yeah. Or you realize, man, life is meaningless and all I have is the moment. And so then you just pummel into despair, which is called nihilism, which just basically says, you know, if life is meaningless, then the only goal of life is to end life because there's nothing. Why be here? Why be a part of it? That's dark. That's, that's dark. Really dark. That's but, but, it's, dark. but it's logical. Yeah. You know, it's that's logical. why it's so dark. <laughs> that's why it's interesting. You know, I, I, I used to teach a class called yeah. Philosophy and Christian Thought at yeah. a local Christian university. And, and they said that philosophy has so degenerated uh, in becoming godless that we used to ask the deeper questions of life, like what is the meaning of life? You know, what is the, the good life? Mm -hmm. And now the only question that philosophers can ask is basically the question of suicide. Like why why live? What's the purpose yeah. of life? I mean, yeah. so we've gone, the, the, the escalators have been an escalator to hell and to, to darkness. Yeah, how do you cope with our miserable existence because there's no concept? I mean, just think for a second that there's no afterlife. Hell or heaven, whatever you want to call it. There's, I mean, that's a weird... Uh, to me, that is a drastically different life to oh. live a life that is like with no consequence. After you die, you dissipate your existence, nothing, but your consciousness nothing. is gone. You there's, I mean, just think about that for a second. You know, that's just wow. And, and that's what they're saying is, yeah, think about it, because it's because they're <laughs> and they it's depressing. Saying, it's true, and and basically embrace it. You and I were just talking about. I was saying how you know I've never been a horror film guy. Never, I don't like to be scared. I don't like gore. I don't like any of that stuff. But I'm very always being very interested in the, some of the ideas behind mm -hmm. horror film. So I go on Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia is on these movies. <laughs> I wonder what happened without actually watching the movie. That's just the weird side of me. I like to see storyline. I like to see well, ideas. I like that. Yeah, because you don't you don't want to be uh, uh, I don't open yourself subject up to myself the to, to the imageries. Yeah, yeah. But I want to know what some of these ideas were. It's like certain of these books. I'm never going to read it. But I want to know what they're what what point are they trying to make. So right. I go to Wikipedia. It's very helpful. <laughs> but what I saw a lot of the the the, the trending you know, in in the, in the well, I don't know, years ago, yeah. horror film used to be like a bad guy, like a right. demon or a monster or mass murderer yeah. or Wicked, whatever. Wicked, evil person. Evil person. But now is the, the the horror films are trending to the horror being there's no good or bad, and everyone's evil, and that everything's meaningless. They have made horror about meaninglessness. Yeah, which, which is 
horrible, and it is horror. And I'm re- so, uh, sometimes I don't even know what I was reading. I was reading some of the, some of these Indian. I was just like, wow. After if I actually watched the movie, I would be so depressed because it basically says there's no purpose, there's no meaning, there's nothing. Right. You know, I, I don't want that. I want to go home and hug my kids and love my kids and say there is meaning and Which, there's purpose. This explains. I want you to understand now why I didn't like a certain genre of films because. In our hearts, it's like, I want to see a true hero. Yeah. What is a true hero? I want to see good overcome evil. (laughs) Absolutely. I want to see somebody fighting for something that matters. Yeah. But as the world becomes more and more full of despair because we believe that there is no God and then we're left with meaningless and purposelessness in our existence. Yeah. It's very natural to have what what, what another uh, existentialist, uh, atheist philosopher, Albert Camus, he came up with what he called was the absurd hero, which is really what you're talking about. I mean, the absurd hero says, this is all meaningless anyway. Who cares? Yep. But I'm going to find meaning in being the rebel. I'm going to rebel against meaninglessness. Yep. You know, the traditional hero arc is a hero learning and growing. Right. And going through something and, and process and being initiated and being prepared for a task, overcomes the task, slays the dragon, beat the bad guy, saves the beauty, and there's a good ending. You know, that's the traditional arc. Yeah, but let's pause right there. Yeah. You said, you know, you beat the bad guy. When you live in a world that's meaningless <laughs> right. and a world where there is no absolute truth, right. when there are no transcendent right. values, and there is, what happens is the distinction between good and evil, those become, those are moral uh, words so that that means that there's something that is objectively good and something yeah. objectively evil. When you throw God out, good and evil go out, and no, so absolutely. and so there is nothing pure evil and there is nothing good because those require standards. Right. And when there's no standards, then you get into this absurdity where if there's no evil presence attacking the good people, then all you have is people, and all you have is behaviors that are neither good nor evil even though in our minds we all know no chasing that person with a chainsaw and trying to cut their head off yeah. is probably not on the good bad scale probably right. not good right but but the problem is you you are unable to make any moral distinctions because that requires a standard right and that, and that objective standard is god himself and so thus we have the absurd hero and and for me that is becoming that is horror is to say Absolutely. that there is no meaning, there is no purpose, there's no good, and there's no bad. We're all just mashed together, and there's no purpose. I mean, I, I can't think of a more horrible ending than that. Absolutely. Personally. And, and by yeah. the way, this was this was all part of the '60s revolution. It, it was a revolution against modernity and some of the some of the um, uh, presuppositions and beliefs of that worldview. Yeah. But it launched us into this world of life is meaningless, and so that's where you have the '60s. Free love, drugs, sex, getting high, don't trust anybody in authority, uh, burn the system, you know, uh, all the, all of this rebellion because it was basically the world is meaningless. I'm just going to live my life. No one's going to tell me what to do. No one's going to put any boundaries around me. Uh, there is no legitimate authority. I'm my own authority. I'm my own God. Yeah. And, and so you had philosophers like Sartre and Camus. And then here's another big philosopher of the 60s, uh, Bertrand Russell. Now, in his book, A Free Man's Worship, this is what Russell said. Only with the scaffolding of these truths, only on the firm foundation of unyielding despair, can the soul's habitation henceforth be safely built. Now, when I hear the phrase, firm foundation of despair, unyielding despair, how in the world is despair a foundation for anything? 
And yet what he said, and this is interesting because this, this goes right back to the truth of Scripture, when Bertrand Russell was pressed with the fact that he was basically postulating a universe that was meaningless, mm-hmm. he, that somebody said, how, is, how can you as a philosopher rationally satisfy your belief that the you know here you are a rational person you're a thinking person you're a philosopher how can you be satisfied living in a meaningless universe and this is basically he was honest he said i would rather believe in a meaningless universe because that allows me to express my sexuality in the way that i want in other words his goal was to get rid of the of the of the christian sexual ethic which he found to be stifling so that he could live his own sexual desires and fantasies without 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 any consequence yeah. and the only way More he could constraints yeah, yeah the only way he could live in that world mm-hmm. was to get rid of god of meaning, yeah. but when he got rid of god yeah. as you said yeah. he got rid of meaning right so here, here's the irony now you have a man who's committed his life to using his mind right he's a philosopher but he's using his mind to think about a meaningless world, yeah. which in and of itself is meaningless. <laughs> I mean, that's the irony of, right, right. Uh, of what happens when you reject God. Another uh, example comes from a Nobel Prize winning biochemist named Jacques Manon. In his celebrated book, Chance and Necessity, he rejects Christianity and he replaces it with the drama of a scientist as the lonely hero challenging a meaningless universe. So here we get back to Dr. Fauci in a white lab coat, right? You got the scientist who's the absurd hero who's staring out into this meaningless cosmos and yet, you know, fighting against the meaninglessness, you know, even though the meaninglessness is not going to go anywhere, but it's the little guy in the lab coat who's now the anti-hero, right? Uh, he's, he's the absurd hero that in the midst of a world full of meaninglessness, he's fighting for meaning. And, and I guess the fight itself becomes meaningful. Uh, the hero- he says here, we will overcome our cosmic loneliness through heroic defiance. Doesn't this sound demonic? So we're going to overcome the loneliness. Here we are alone in the cosmos through heroic defiance. We're just going to rebel against the fact that that's true, which takes us right back to the original lie in the garden, right? Um, where, where the serpent says to Eve, you know, eat of the tree of the good, of knowledge of good and evil, and, and then you'll become like God. Yeah. So uh, we're just going to rebel against God. We're going to rebel against the world. We're going to rebel against the way God made things. And our rebellion in and of itself becomes heroic. It's so interesting, even the wording of the cosmic loneliness. One of the reasons why we're so desperate to look for uh, aliens is because of cosmic loneliness. And even that is, is a desperate cry for meaning. Yeah, so let's, let's even go back there. Why is loneliness... A bad thing in a world that's meaningless. Yeah. In other words, what does it say about how God made us that loneliness is bad? I mean, loneliness could be good. Uh, why is it that when we're alone, we experience all kinds of mental health issues? Perhaps it's because God created us as He exists as a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in community. God created us to exist in community, and when we're alone, it's not a good thing, even as the Bible declares. Well, I want to go even a layer deeper because you know you have um, evolutionists who explain the natural selection. You know those who uh, crave 
uh, community tend to survive. That's how, that's the whole natural right. selection of things. The reason so tribal people people gather they tend to survive. They pass on the gene that creates community and right. blah blah blah. Because you can't yeah. reproduce if you're alone. You're alone and you can't survive because tribal needs and all that. I, I, okay, fine, that makes sense. But I'm not even talking about like these guys aren't like actually alone. There's tons of people around them. That, they're not talking about the loneliness from other people. They're talking about a degree of loneliness from God. <laughs> Cosmic loneliness. This is not. A, well, how do you evolve a cosmic loneliness? A degree of longing for the transcendent, for meaning, for for a God who, a personal God who you long for that so much. You look in the, in the sky for other races and other aliens. It's not like they're actually alone. There's people. Bring up a good point. There are people who can be in a you know busy subway or in a uh, working at, at work surrounded by hundreds yeah. of people, and yet at the core of their heart. Are experiencing incredible loneliness. I'm even talking about people who have tons of friends. Yeah, they have a great career. They have a great wife, family, and but they're in their heart. I mean, I, I, I resonate with that cosmic loneliness because I have great friends, I have great family, I have great kids. By all you know measurements, I am not alone. Right. But deep in my heart, there's a longing for the transcendent. Yeah. There's a longing for my Father in heaven who knows me deeply. There's a longing for redemption, for Jesus Christ who came and died for my sins. Yeah. The intimacy that he knows me like nobody else. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they cannot be satisfied no. on a human level. No. There's, it's deeper. I, I love that word, cosmic loneliness. Yeah. You know, that to me is deep. So, so even that speaks... A long, a deep long. I mean, I think these scientists, even in their defiant, holding the fist up to God and says, I challenge you, is really revealing. You know, sometimes when people put up a front that they're all proud, they got everything together, really they're just hiding how deeply insecure they are. Right. And I feel like what they're doing is they're really showing other people how deeply they long for the transcendent deep in their heart, longing for meaning, longing for a God, right. there's a got Father. To, there's got to be more than what I'm currently experiencing. Yeah. And that, that is the longing of every human heart. Uh, even if you're living the best life now, a good life, um, there's still a longing uh, for something more. And that, that more is is the utopia that every human dreams about. It, it's going to come with Christ and his kingdom. And we were made for more. Um, and uh, and that's why we, we long for it. We're, we're, we're made to enjoy God more. We're made to enjoy each other more. Yeah. We're made to enjoy this life more. And, and Jesus is coming back to help us. Enjoy the more forever, which is which is what heaven's all about. I, I think that's so powerful because it's like it's cosmic, so big. But you know, like this morning, like I have I have great family, my in laws here, you know, tons of people in my house, feel very you know yeah. loved and cared for. But this morning I got up early. I was like, I have to. I'm desperate for a, a long time with my Savior. Yeah. That so this cosmic loneliness distilled down to this personal deep relationship with my Father yeah. in heaven. And I think. When you don't recognize that, but that longing is deep in your heart, you come up with all kind of ideas to try to capture that, you know. Yeah. But but I mean, I mean, the gospel answers these deep questions very well. And, and that's what should satisfy us intellectually is that the gospel answers every one of these questions as you mentioned yeah. that we're bringing up today. Yeah. Let, let's kind of wrap it up with this because I think we're out of, out of time. But another great literary. Uh, uh, artist that you're familiar with is Ernest Hemingway. You probably had to read some of his books through school. I know we had some of those assigned readings. And Hemingway really captures a lot of young people today and their approach to life. You know, it was like live life to the full. He was a, yeah. a big game hunter, an adventurer. He was a womanizer. Uh, again, famous, you know, author. He had money, he had fame. Um, he, he was trying to squeeze every bit 
of life that he could out of a world that's basically meaningless with no future. Yeah. And, uh, and and his, you know, the, the tragedy is he ended up taking his life one day, put a shotgun in his mouth and, and pulled the trigger. And, and the reason that he, he did that is he was living this heroic, you know, anti-faith, uh, uh, absurd hero myth that he realizes the world is meaningless. He realizes he's going to die. Uh, and while he cannot control the fact that he's going to die, he could control the timing of his death and how he, and when he chose to die. And that to him was heroic. In other words, his last act was an act of defiance. It was, nobody's going to take my life from me. I'm going to tell, I'm going to set the terms. Yep. And, and this embodies kind of this live life to the full, live on the edge, all the extreme sports that we have nowadays where people can literally die if something, you know, the slightest thing goes wrong. But it's all about being an adrenaline junkie. And hey, if I die, I die, you know, because I'm going to die anyway. What difference does it make? Um, so I'm going to go out with a shout. And uh, the sad thing, here's this incredible man made in the image and likeness of God, great thinker, great writer, so much to live for. Uh, and yet he ends up, you know, basically committing suicide. And uh, and this is exactly the life that Solomon in the Bible, and especially in the book of Ecclesiastes, talks about. You know, he, Solomon uh, pursued redemption through sex. He had all these women in his life. The Bible talks about that. He had he was the most wealthy man that's ever lived. He uh, was the wisest man that ever knowledge. lived in terms of his knowledge. Yeah. Um, he experienced everything, the phrase the Bible uses is everything under the sun. And he came to the conclusion at the end of basically, you know, living a hedonistic life, he came to the conclusion that life is meaningless. It's all vanity. And I think that's where we come when we pursue these counterfeit forms of redemption. At some point you realize this is not satisfying. This is not giving the answers. This is not producing the transformation. This does not... This does not bring the joy that I'm looking for. And you come to the conclusion that it's meaningless. It's, it's vanity. Everything is vanity. And that's why it keeps pointing us back to Jesus. You know, in a couple of days, again, we're going to celebrate the incarnation. God himself taking on human flesh, coming to live. I love the way the Message Bible says it. Coming to live in our neighborhood um, so that... He, we could know him, that we could see him, we could see what it means to be human, and we could learn of our need for a savior, and we could experience, you know, Jesus personally as our redeemer. Um, that's what Christmas is all about. We're going to call his name Jesus. The Bible, the Bible tells us, because he's going to save his people from their sin. He, he is the redeemer. He's the one who saves us from our sin. And I, I love the way we kind of come full circle here after all, you know, ending up in despair and pointing us to the hope that comes with Jesus. Yeah, I mean, apart from Christ, apart from the gospel, we are left with despair. And it is in the context of this despair, it's the context of our destruction, the context of the universe dying, the fiery, fiery death or whatever they want to call yeah, it, yeah. That, Christ, that God said, I'm going to send my son in a revelation Okay, in a direct revelation to give you guys meaning and purpose. And again, Christ didn't come just so that we can go to heaven. Christ came to give us the deepest meaning there is. Right. To join him in the mission. Yeah. Join him in his mission to bring glory yeah. to his Father. There, there is there's a no, story. There's, there's a nothing more meaningful, yeah. Amen. There, there's, a, there's an overarching narrative. There's, there is a story of redemption that, 
that's taking place on planet Earth. This is not a cold, hostile universe. This is a, an amazingly meaningful story that's being written, of which Jesus, of course, is the lead character, but you and I have a part to play even now. That's why you're here. Your life matters. Your life is full of purpose. Uh, your life uh, is here for a reason, uh, and and finding that reason in Christ, finding who you are in Christ, discovering that larger story is is part of living a meaningful life, and that's something we all crave and long for. Uh, and so, maybe the best thing we could do today is just pause. and And uh, you might be watching, and and everything we've talked about today is what you've been living, and and but you don't know Christ, and you're looking for all kinds of so saviors out there all kinds of things to fix you or heal you but only jesus is big enough to do that so would you pause for a moment we just want to pray for you and especially as we're approaching christmas here in a few days what a great time to simply give your life to christ get off the treadmill of works and trying to come up with counterfeit saviors get off that treadmill it's not going to take you anywhere and uh and pause and bow at the foot of the cross and recognize that there's only one mediator between god and human beings and his name is jesus christ so let's pray lord i just thank you for someone who might be listening right now who's lost and confused and wondering what's the purpose of all this lord you are the answer so jesus we repent right now we repent of chasing counterfeits and idols and living for ourselves and, and living for our own desires and pleasures, our own agenda. Lord, forgive us. And Jesus, we, we say right now, please come into our heart. Be our Savior. Be our Redeemer. Jesus, come and change my life. And Jesus, introduce me to the fullness of life that you come to bring. And so I, I invite you right now, be my Lord and be my Savior. And I pray this in your mighty name, Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer, we'd love to hear from you uh, just by way of an email or contact, contact us here at the church. We'd love to help you follow up with you. And if you know somebody who needs to hear this message, uh, especially during this holiday season, please feel free to, to uh, let them know about this podcast. Uh, share it with them. I know it can be one of the greatest gifts that they'll ever receive uh, during this Christmas season. So any final comments? Yeah, just make, I mean, you can be a Christian, but you can functionally live like an atheist. Absolutely. And I want to be careful that every day, every day we focus. What, where, is, where do I find my redemption? It's not in what I do. Yeah. It's not in what I produce. It's not in the pleasures or what I have. It's in Jesus Christ alone. Amen. So you guys have an amazing Christmas. You have an amazing you too. Christmas, Merry Christmas. the Ming family, and uh, and hopefully we'll look forward to seeing you all here on uh, Christmas Eve at Living Stones. Again, our services are at three o'clock and five o'clock, uh, and then also on Sunday, uh, excited to worship with you. Services at 8 30, 10 o'clock, and eleven forty-five here at Living Stones, or you can check us out online at lstones.org. All right. Merry Christmas. Until we meet again, uh, have an incredible time of celebration.